You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you. Hoping we find you all in super form after what was a beautiful weekend uh, weather-wise. There's a lot of people in the building today with various red patches on their body. There's always a bit, isn't there, where you miss putting the sunscreen on. I have a stripe down the side of my neck that's quite red uh, today. I know what it is, no matter how well you put on the sunscreen, when you're out in the Irish sun, there'll you know, just, just be a bit, there will always be a bit that you miss. And people are, we're all been advised to enjoy today because normal Irish weather conditions according to Met Aaron are set to return during the week. We had wonderful weather across the weekend both days and it was just gorgeous to have both Saturday and Sunday beautiful bright sunny days but John Eagleton of Met Aaron is saying we're a long way off last summer's uh, heatwave. He says it was a typical Irish summer's weekend but certainly he said it wasn't intense as it was last year even though in some areas it peaked at uh, 24 degrees. So for the rest of the week what's happening well temperatures will still be in the low 20s for the early half of this week but then as the week progresses we're going to see more showers today as we've mentioned to start it off dry mostly sunny but then clouds going to increase during the afternoon and then there is the chance of some showers but we're still going to can remain quite warm up to that 20, 23 degrees. Quite a humid day today. Tomorrow then we'll see scattered showers. But again, there will be some bright sunny spells and the temperature's about 22 degrees. But then Wednesday we're told that the sun is going to be in rather short supply. Rain in the west is going to move uh, eastwards. Temperatures with it then starting to drop 21 degrees on Wednesday. Thursday and Friday unsettled at this stage with showers and temperatures in the high teens. Now the one good news that we can take from all of this, hay fever sufferers finally said to get a bit of a respite because the pollen count is going to drop from high which is where it is today and where it's been for the last few days and it'll be low from tomorrow Tuesday on so that'll give a little bit of respite to hay fever suffers. And uh, while well, I say I have a bit of a, my neck has just a stripe of redness running uh, along it. I had a wonderful weekend in Court McSherry over the weekend and on Saturday I had a day out sailing. I was with the Court McSherry Harbour Boat Club. They have an annual raft run off Blind Strand and basically as many of the members are around as possible head out on this, on this particular day and then they head over to Blind Strand and then all the boats tie up together everybody sits in the boats and people are hopping from one boat to the other and people are having uh, lunch and it's just a gorgeous social event while being out on the sea and doing doing a bit of sailing and people were and then the weather the weather was just perfect for us people were jumping into the sea and going for swim swimming others were doing a bit of fishing it was just lovely it was just a gorgeous gorgeous uh, day out so thank you to everybody and hi to everybody I met in particular thanks to Tom Murray I was a guest on his uh, yacht and the Commodore of the Court McSherry Harbour Boat Club was also in attendance at Tom O'Connell so it was great to meet everybody 
everyone and they've asked me to mention that they're always open to new members if anybody wants to join. They are a lovely bunch of people and of course needless to say when I was spending a weekend in Court McSherry I could not but spend time and go in and say hi to everyone in the Court McSherry community shop. It is three years now would you believe. I was taken aback when I realised it was three years since the Court McSherry community shop uh, opened. It was in 2015 that the last shop in Court McSherry closed its doors and it was almost like the heart of the village had been taken away from it. And we've seen it replicated all over the country when the last business goes. It's usually a post office with a little shop attached and the postmistress or master decides to retire. No one to take over. And posts are not interested in re-advertising the post and then the post office and the shop goes with it. And people will tell you, if you're living in a village that doesn't have a focal point, everybody in the village gets affected by. So it was like the heart was taken out of Court McSherry. And Court McSherry was a town, you know, I remember back when we started doing interviews, when the idea came about that they'd organising a community shop, I remember being taken aback by the fact that in its heyday, Court McSherry was quite a busy little spot because of course it was it was a busy port at one time it had a, a boat builders it had a railway station there was a music hall there was a cinema petrol station a garage and there was a dozen at least a dozen shops selling all kinds of different items and then over the years slowly and slowly the businesses start closing down the railway obviously is is taken away and they end up with one small little shop and then the lady who was running that shop decides to retire and that's it. The last business is gone. But the good people at Court Mac decided, no, we're having none of this. And they got together and they've organised this community shop. And Court Mac, during the winter, I think has a population of about 500. Now, obviously, that number swells in the summer. So when I was down there at the weekend, it was a really, really busy spot with all of the people down in their holiday homes and in the caravan parks and people camping and people coming to visit the area. So very, very busy spot. And right in the middle of it is this little community shop which is just buzzing. Uh, so I went in to say hi to everybody in there. It's terrific what they've done. Besides, it's a little convenience uh, store. Upstairs, they have this fantastic second-hand bookshop where people donate books. And it's been run by, I think it's Dermot Begley is the gentleman's name who runs it. He's a former librarian, the right man for the job. And he is, it's stocked. It looks like a library when you walk in. It's all alphabetical. And they sell off the books. It's a pound for the paper, or a euro for the paperbacks. A pound, says she. A euro. And two euro for the hardbacks. And it's wonderful. It's like having a little library there. It's it's really, really terrific. And there's a little little exhibition space there a little place where people can sit down and chat it's great and I was talking to some of the people who were in and out of the shop and they were saying you know if you're in the village during the day in the winter it's open nine to six seven days a week all run by volunteers and if you're there in the village and you've you know no one to talk to nothing to do you can always pop down to the shop and there's a little coffee machine you can have a cup of coffee have a chat there's always people in and out it is absolutely terrific and it is volunteerism at its very very at best and it's just that community spirit we're always talking about the community spirit that is so much alive and well particularly 
in rural areas and in the county of Cork and that's not to say there isn't a community spirit in the city there is but there's something very special about the community spirit that you find in rural area it's incredible so hi to John Brosnan was in the shop and Mags Flynn was they they were working on Sunday when I went in and I also met a lovely gentleman called Michael Power who was originally from the States I think about three years ago he moved to the village and he's very much involved in the shop and I also I'm delighted to say as I was walking down the street I bumped into Dennis Cahalan, who is the chairman of the community shop. So long, long may that community shop in Court Mac continue. And of course, now they have set a blueprint for other EU communities. They're showing other EU communities how it can be done. Long may it continue, as I say. It was a fantastic weekend and the sun was shining. And as I'm always saying, there is no better place to be in this world than in West Cork on a fine sunny day. It's just glorious. It's really to watch the sun set out over Court McSherry Bay and the 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 Arnalai lifeboat was there. It was just ah uh, just I felt I was on holidays. It was terrific. It was a beautiful, beautiful weekend. So thank you and hi to everybody uh, that we met. It really was wonderful. 1850 I hope you had a magical weekend as well. If anybody wants to share what they did at the weekend, let us know. Even if it was only sitting in your own garden, I hope you got out and that you got to enjoy it and got to spend time with your family, your friends and your loved ones. Now, coming up on the programme today, we're going to speak with Jim Byrne. Jim Byrne is from Formoy and it's his son, Keith, that there was a lot of media coverage about Keith. Keith has been living in Philadelphia in the States since 2007 and unfortunately he's one of the Irish undocumented. We've spoken about the Irish undocumented and every time the Taoiseach goes to visit the US President, certainly on St. Patrick's Day, if there's any kind of a US visit to this country, the undocumented get mentioned. And these are people who are working really hard in the States. Many of them have set down roots. Keith Byrne, the guy we're talking about today, has set down roots. He's married. He's got young children. He's set up his own little business. He's bought his dream home. He wants a life in the States. He's been desperately trying to legalise his status. And it seems, you know, a silly mistake he made in his youth by getting caught with a small amount of marijuana. I think it was a joint he got caught with and it looks like that is going to go against him or has gone against him when he's tried to legalise his status. There's a big campaign at the moment both here and in the States and I think we need to keep attention on Keith Byrne and that's why we're going to speak with his dad Jim and hopefully if there's enough media attention on the story they might look favourably on Keith and on his story and he might somehow be able to get his status uh, legalised. So we'll talk with Keith's dad, Jim, after 12 o'clock today. We're also going to find out why some sporting groups are joining the campaign to try to reform our insurance industry. It seems that sporting organisations... Some of them are actually closing down or they're being very limited in what they can do because their premiums are going so high on insurance. And I was reading on the paper today that the national group that promotes tug of war says it's losing the battle to keep operating due to out of control insurance rises. Now tug of war groups there's 25 clubs would you believe in this country. They're all part of the Irish Tug of War Association and they've seen insurance costs rise by more than 400% 
100% over the last three years and is now threatening the survival. It's an amateur bo- body that governs the sport in Ireland and the cost of co- cover is now gobbling up every single cent of the association's uh, income. They have about 700 competing uh, members and the, the one treasurer from County Carlow was saying that the group just about pulled off paying their premium of, wait for this, €27,000 was what they had to pay. I mean, that's just crazy. When you have like 700 competing members with only 25 clubs, it's just ludicrous. And it's all of these different types of sports, particularly these smaller clubs and these smaller sports that, you know, don't have huge numbers but still the ones that are joined are very committed and very committed to the training and getting involved in competitions we're constantly hearing about we have an obesity problem in this country and we're advocating and saying to people we need to get involved in sports we need to stay active we need to be more active and yet we've got clubs that are doing their best to open up and to encourage new members to join and they're being crippled with insurance costs. It's just madness and something has to be done. So it's good to see the sporting organisations are getting involved with the Alliance of Insurance Reform. I mean, Peter Boland of that group we've spoken with countless times on the programme was always highlighting how communities are getting affected because festivals are There's more and more festivals now finding it very difficult to get the cost of the insurance. They're out fundraising, fundraising to put on their little festivals and then they discover the majority of their fundraising has to go just to take out public liability insurance and for some of them they've just given up they can't do it anymore and we've lost festivals because of it and that is a real real shame so we'll talk about that on the programme also finding out why some tourists in the town of Middleton are getting confused with the superloo that's in the town and some are thinking it's a parking meter and they're putting money into the superloo thinking they're buying a parking ticket now obviously they're not I'm assuming they get a fright when they put their money in and the door then swings open and they realise realise it's uh, they, they can spend a penny instead of spending money on parking so we're going to discuss that on the programme do we need a state agency to help loan parents secure maintenance payments from former partners now this is coincidental that this is coming up today because last week on the programme remember we heard from Lisa one of our listeners who was looking for advice because her marriage broke down and she said well that's very sad she accepts that marriages unfortunately do break down her Husband has gone on into another relationship and is paying little or nothing in maintenance. He's claiming he can't afford it. Lisa's saying rubbish. He's got a business that's quite successful. He should be able to afford to pay it. And of course, the advice she's getting from everyone is go to court, fight him for the maintenance. And she really doesn't want to. She just said she's tired from the whole thing. She really just doesn't know if she has the strength to be able to go to court and fight him. And she was looking for advice and is there any other way uh, around it? So this this idea that's been suggested by the National Women's Council to have a state agency, that would they would be the ones who would get involved and would decide on the maintenance payment and how much should be paid and how is it paid and who gets paid it rather than ending up in court, uh, which I'm assuming a lot of families would prefer to deal with an agency than to deal with having to go to court. So we'll discuss that on the programme. The Eurovision of Trees. Voting is now open. We're going to encourage you to vote for your favourite tree. There's five trees have been selected 
nationwide in sort of the national contest and then voting is open for a period of time and then the tree with the most votes gets to represent Ireland in this European competition that we are just as a joke calling the Eurovision of uh, trees. So we'll give you the details of how you can vote and there's five trees that have been selected just one is from Cork and hand on heart I looked at all of the five trees and I and I'm not just saying it because it's from Cork I think the Cork tree by far stands out as the best tree and I think it's the tree that can give us the greatest chance of winning this competition. We'll hear more about that at about quarter to twelve today. And it is Monday so Annalise Trussell will join us after half past twelve. I can already see a question coming in for Annalise. So get your questions in please. 1850-333-103. Questions to Bernie. Uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're welcome, Lock, uh, to the programme. Uh, Bernie's taking your calls at 1850 I'm just trying to read. There's a lot of, of WhatsApps uh, coming in. Uh, so, trying to update on the WhatsApps. That's why I got a bit distracted there. Apologies. Uh, listener says Hi, Trish. I love the fine weather as well, but I don't want to be a party pooper. But the rain really cannot come soon enough. I've had no water for the last three days as the spring has dried up. That's from somebody living in a rural part of West Cork. Yeah, God, my heart goes out to you. So while the rest of us are saying, oh, do you want any rain? Just think there are areas and parts of the country that very much need the rain. And a lot of people will say the gardens as well could do with a drop of rain. Hi, Patricia. Hope you had a nice weekend. It did indeed. Uh, just a mention of the man that was killed in Drumahan yesterday evening. May he rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers are very much with his uh, family indeed. And Gardaí actually are investigating that accident. It was a fatal collision involving a motorcycle. It happened at about five o'clock yesterday. The scene of the accident was Kilpadder South, Drumaham. It's understood that a motorbike left the road and struck a ditch and then the alarm was raised by a passing motorist and sadly the motorcyclist a man in his 40s was pronounced dead at the scene a short time later and Gardaí are now appealing for any witnesses anyone with any information is asked to contact Mallow at Garda station on 022 31450 but uh, thinking of that man's family um, just on what was a glorious, beautiful summer's evening, you know, where most people were just enjoying the last rays of the sunshine and thinking, oh, you know, everything's good with the world. And then to get a knock on the door to say a loved one had been tr- so tragically uh, killed. So may that gentleman rest uh, in peace. And thank you. There's no name on that uh, um, WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. OK, we're going to take a break and we are back talking with sporting organisations and uh, their campaign to try to reform our insurance industry. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, Sport Ireland says opportunities to participate in sport and outdoor activities are being blocked. Why? The rising cost of insurance. Sports bodies are so concerned about the issue that they've joined the Alliance for Insurance Reform. Joining me from the Federation of Irish Sports is Mary O'Connor, who is their CEO. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well. I suppose first explain who the Federation of Irish Sports, who you are and who you represent. The Federation of Irish Sports are an advocacy body and we would represent over 106 sporting organisations in the country. We would have uh, national governing bodies of sport or members of us, um, for instance, Athletics Ireland, Swim Ireland, the GEA, the IRFU, and we have 26 local sports partnerships 
sports players all over the country who are members of us as well. So we represent about 14,000 uh, sporting clubs in the country. So it's, it's, a, it's quite a significant number. Absolutely. So you conducted a recent survey specifically looking at insurance costs. Tell us what you discovered. Uh, the survey was conducted um, uh, out, out of a number of phone calls I would have received as CEO of the Federation uh, with concerns over our organisations being able to actually run their um, activities. And when we conducted the survey, the response was enormous. Sometimes you do surveys and, you know, you mightn't get the number of responses as you'd like, but and they were very forthcoming with their information as well. And unfortunately, um, some organisations, it's impacting on their ability to run activities, to run competitions. Um, it's also impacting on them to actually grow their sport um, as well because some of their budget is, is now being put towards the paying of uh, increased insurance costs. We had one member whose insurance has gone up 108% in the last five years. Um, and that's, that's, that is scary. Um, sport is, a, is obviously a physical activity and in some instances we have high high risk sports um, but uh, some of the sports they've had increases in their um, premiums and there has been no claim against their sport at all in the last five years so that's the worrying trend and we felt it was our responsibility to join with the Alliance for Insurance Reform who are doing such great work and uh, to show that you know sport in Ireland is of immense value and this uh, is having an impact on it. Yeah, and I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago when I teed up that you were coming on the programme that I was reading in the papers today that the tug-of-war groups, and I mean, there isn't a lot of clubs. There's about 25 clubs in, in the country with, you know, 700 competing members, but it's a sport and these guys and gals, you know, take it very seriously and they do all the training and it's keeping them fit. And their, impre- their premium went up to 27,000. They were saying all of their cash, all of their income from the year basically went to paying an insurance premium. Yeah, I mean, uh, just on the point you make, I mean, I would always say that, you know, it might be only one sport to you and me, but for that, those that particular audience, it's the only sport. Absolutely. And that's the sport. Yeah. And um, I, I'm, I'm aware of the tug of war story, and my concern is that last year the Federation of Irish Sport advocated to get a sport an increase because there hadn't been an increase in funding to sport in 10 years. And my concern now is that people are getting the increase, and for some organisations, unfortunately, that's going to pay. In, in, increased insurance premiums and that's not what the funding is for it's about growing their sport giving people the opportunity um, to participate so it is a worry um, we we believe that um, the government are well aware now of the seriousness of this um, we want to book a quantum we looked at we also want the guard of fraud unit established um, but I think you know what, what, as, a, as a sporting bodies we're kind of unified in that we have um, the opportunity to really add to societal value in Ireland through volunteerism and so on. And, and worryingly, I had an organisation on to me last week wanting to know, could you ensure for litigation against volunteers? Um, and, you know, that's that's another worry. Um, and it's something that concerns us. And I suppose, look... What, where, some, of, some of the volunteers themselves would sue? Yes, so that, so that volunteers would be sued for their role. Oh, no! Involved. Oh, my goodness! Yes. Yeah, and that's... Like, that's that's another another arm of the law, as the man says. But as a as an organisation, the federation are committed to representing our members, and um, we will be advocating hard to government um, and to in, the, with the insurance lines for insurance reform to ensure that you know, this matter is looked at. Uh, the value of a sport goes beyond the economic value. Um, it's the value at, in the rural areas and so on, where so there's a lot, of, an awful lot of, I suppose, um, 
services be taken away now, local post offices have been closed down and it is the local sports club, whatever local sports club is what keeps a lot of the rural areas going yeah. as well and they must be supported and um, we must we must keep on to this now and make sure that it doesn't uh, go quiet over the summer, that we'll be actively releasing case studies from our members, telling their stories and the impact it's having on them. Do clubs, uh, Mary, live in fear that somebody will put in a, in a claim against them? I think absolutely they do. Um, and I think, to be fair to our volunteers, there's over 450,000 volunteers in the country in Ireland. And in a recent survey by Sports Ireland, those 450,000 volunteers do on average 3.5 hours uh, of volunteering a week. So, I mean, you know, if you ask the government to pay the minimum wage to those volunteers, you know, we'd be broke again. So mm. I, I think, you know, um, that's why it's so, so important. And you know, that fear is there, absolutely is there. And in some of the bigger organisations, you know, they can absorb the insurance premium cost by maybe creating more revenue through gate receipts or from commercial sponsorship. But some of the smaller and niche and emerging um, organisations, they don't have that, that luxury. And also look at the fantastic work that the local sports partnerships do in this country. And they run activities and initiatives and programmes. And, you know, they must be supported and things like park runs and, and so on. You know, they should not be stopped just because of, uh, because of insurance. That's just not... It's not right, and it's, it's not the way um, Irish society is, has their view towards sport. Sport is for everybody, physical activity is for everybody, and we just try to ensure um, that that is maintained. Right, and we have a rising obesity problem in this country. We need people to become active by getting involved in wh- whatever it is in in and you know in their in in their local clubs. And you're, you're absolutely right. Last last July, the government launched first ever national sports policy um, and in that policy they spoke about the obesity epidemic they have a national physical activity plan as well so if you have a national sports policy um, you know you're going to be judged on the outcomes of that policy and you know if it, insurance should not be the, the challenge to that you know we need to change people's attitudes towards physical activity but the cost of insurance should not be the prohibitor of running more events running more initiatives running more competitions and let's be honest as well and the majority of our Olympians that will go to the Olympics uh, next year, they started summer. Mm. They started in their local club with local Great volunteer point. coaches. Yeah. And, um, you know, we must remember that we want to get, get, get people high performing. We have to ensure that they're getting the right start and that the coaches and the volunteers, the administrators at club level, that they're supported as well and that they're not having sleepless nights as a volunteer wondering where they're going to be able to get the money to pay their insurance premiums for their facility or for, for their sport, you know. That's, that's not the way it should be. So, Mary, what's your message to the government? What's, what's the, what can they be doing now and other on holidays for the summer, but when they come back from their dull re- recess, what can they do to turn this well, situation we, around? As part of the, um, insurance, the Alliance for Insurance Reform, we've been asking the government to look at the Book of Quantum um, and also to look at setting up a guard fraud unit. I think they're two, uh, they're two huge um, things that could make a difference for sport in Ireland, but for everybody um, who has to obviously have insurance in the country, I think they'll be really, really big. And, you know, the book Quantum being reviewed in terms of what I mean by that is in terms of what's payouts for when there is claims being made. Um, unfortunately, there's a high payout claim here in Ireland, but the claims, the, the, the high payout, what I mean by that is that there's a large amount of money being paid in comparison to our European neighbours and that needs to be looked at. I think also the establishment of a guard fraud unit would also assist um, uh, the regulation of uh, making sure that anybody who is claiming is the genuine claim. Okay, well said, um, uh, Mary. Thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. 
Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Mary O'Connor and Mary is CEO of the Federation of Irish Sports. That would really, really worry me if we saw sports organisations deciding that's it. We've had enough. Can't do it anymore. Uh, we just cannot come up with the money for insurance premiums. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. And actually she had a call in from Greta from Bantry when I was asking people what did you do at the weekend? Was there anything in particular that stands out in this glorious weekend that we had from a weather point of view. Gresha was in Glengariff yesterday and she said people were jumping into the blue pool. She saw the boats going out to Garnet Island and there were so many tourists surrounding locals and everybody was just really enjoying the day. Oh, you paint a lovely picture. Beautiful place to be as well in uh, Glengariff. 1850 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, according to an article in the East Cork Journal by Seamus Whelan, some visitors in Middleton are putting money into the Superloo believing it to be a parking meter. To discuss how this problem can be sorted, I'm joined by Tony Harper, who is Clerical Administrator at Middleton and District Area Chamber and uh, Tourist Office. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, Ben. And you're, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, where is this public toilet and why is it causing such confusion to some tourists visiting the town? It is located on the Stillery Walk, which is the route from Main Street down to Jameson Experience. And basically, um, just off that, you have a public car park. You also have a multi-story car park. This is where the confusion begins. And the public toilet is there. Now, to be honest, I, I just counted the number of signs in the immediate vicinity. There are five parking signs there. All the same colour, blue with the white P. Um... And then you also have only one sign indicating um, payment. Okay, and this is this is where it gets confusing for people who don't live in the Middleton area and for tourists visiting. Yeah, that's it. Parking on the street is free. Parking on the street and in the public car park in the Stillery Walk is free. And is that clearly signposted? No. And then parking in the multi-storey car park... Multi-story is charged because that's a private um, enterprise, okay? Yeah. But the, there's no difference between the parking signs for the multi-story and the, no, and the parking sign for the public car park. Okay, so that's where the problem c- oh, yeah. c- comes in. And so somebody pulls up and they've, they've come to Middleton for the first time. Nobody wants to get clamped. Nobody wants to get a parking ticket. You all want to do the honourable thing, pay for your parking. And they look around... There obviously are no parking meters, but tourists don't know that. And they see the, the super low. And you could get confused, particularly some of the, t- the international tourists. Well, you t- t- the word toilet, um, you know, it, it's not unknown in other languages. In fact, we, we, we took it into English from French. Okay. But the point is, um, it's not very clearly stated yeah. that free car park, that all they have to do is put a notice uh, under the P sign for the, the the flat car park to say free park. Yeah, home. it is. Yeah, and it's it's the council. It's the council's job, isn't it? It's yeah, uh, yeah. It's job, yeah. yeah. And how many signs are there that say free parking? There's one on the entrance there going into town. Is there? I'm not entirely sure if that's very clear. 
And again, if it is clear, it'll be clear to locals, but it's you, you, you've got to get the message out to people who are coming to town for the first time. That's it. Who um, are visiting. The, 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 of the usual reaction when we get visitors coming in, they come into to us office, they say, OK, um, uh, where do I pay for parking? And we say, uh, you don't. You have free parking. And the look on their faces is like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're really? taking it back. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Ireland. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't that common. Yeah. So no, yeah. So the council common. need to sell that and and get that message out to people and and put up more signs. I I think that part needs to be done. That the the car, that the public parking areas should be identified as free parking. Yeah. At the site. It's all very well having it at the entrance to town, but they mightn't pay any attention yeah, to Yeah, you don't. Let's you be know? honest, you don't. Yeah. You're driving in and now you're looking for the car park parks. You're looking for a place to park. You're not looking at the signs going into town telling you that there's free parking. Yeah, you know Certainly where, yeah. the, where the car park is, there should be very clearly, you know, it's, it's not going to cost a lot of money. Put a sign yeah. up saying free parking. By the way, I'm interested in that public toilet, that Superloo, because they were so expensive. And I did so many interviews at the time when they first were brought in and the cost of running them. Is that public toilet is that well used in Middleton? Uh, well, many many of the tours try to use it uh, because remember that that free car park also houses um, camper vans. Okay, and so it's used for um, emptying their waste and all that. Which personally, I don't think is a sensible thing, but that's my opinion. Okay, um, um, I, I think we should have separate facilities for camper van waste and 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 water supply and things like that. But but it it, it it does appear to be used. We often get complaints from people coming in saying, "Oh, um, the toilet isn't working." You know. Yeah, and 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 that's unusual because I thought those super loos were, as the title says, they're super in that they're they're self cleaning and. Uh, yeah, this one isn't entirely super. Uh, oh, okay. It, 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 it breakdown seems to be a regular occurrence. Does or, it? Okay. Or, or non availability seems to be a regular occurrence with this one. Um, and it's looked after by the council? Yes, well, it, it, that's the thing you see. They, 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 it, it, it's all done through an advertising company, um, JC Deco, uh, and the point is they subsidise the whole thing. You know? But I, I do wonder, because that area flooded back in 2015. Mm. Remember the great flood of Middleton? I do, I do. One of many great floods of Middleton. And that whole car park was basically... Underwater, yeah. There was a lake. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, I wonder if that was damaged. Yeah. I, I know this because the, um, nearby there was an electric car charger which disappeared. It was obviously taken out because it had been damaged by the floodwaters. Was it replaced? Not at all. And have you an electric charging point in, in Middleton? Well, the, the, there's uh, one up at Hurley Supervalue, um, but the problem is we, the one that we had was a fast charger, and that's the oh, one yeah. that people are looking for. And they're the ones, they're the ones people really need. And yeah, they're, and they're they, thin they, on the ground. If you can get one of those, it's a big plus for tourists coming to your area if you have one of the fast chargers. Oh, it is. It yeah. is, it is. Talking to tourists, Tony, are there many around? Are you seeing a lot? Um, the numbers are down on last year. Okay. Um, you know, we we count them on the basis of those who come through the tourist office door. Yeah. And so even somebody coming in asking about parking or where to pay or where the toilets are. Still, that's a number. Still that's a tourist. A that's yeah, a, that's yeah, a number, right? Yeah. Um, like, uh, uh, and so the numbers are down by several hundred um, from last year. 
But still early. Do you expect it to pick up? We are hoping it will pick up. I thought that the heat wave in Europe would drive them all over here. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I really do think Port Ireland is missing a great trick there. If temperatures in Europe are going to continue rising every summer, they should advertise Ireland as the coolest place to come for your summer vacation. Yeah, good point. Like it's, it's, good it's, point. You know, and I had a German here in into the tourist office there, um, not last Monday, but the Monday before, and he was here with his camper van, and he came here to escape the heat in Germany. Yeah, you you will often hear that. Yeah, yeah you, you will often hear that. It's just the weather here is so civilized. Oh. All right, listen, in the meantime, we'll get on to the council and see if there are any plans to put up free parking signs uh, in the town. And in the meantime, Tony, pleasure talking to you. Yeah, all the best. Right? Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Tony Harper there from the Middleton and District Area Chamber, and he is with the tourist office in uh, Middleton. 1850 Bernie taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. In the next hour, we'll be finding out, do we need a state agency to help parents secure maintenance from former partners? And we also will give you details of the Eurovision of trees. And I can see some texts coming in about antisocial behaviour in some estates in Formoy. We'll discuss that and more in the next hour. So listen, says Hi Patricia, I'm wondering if any, anyone out there would have a copy of a book. It is the book Briar of Life by AJS Brady. Would anyone have a copy willing to sell it to me? I'll leave you my phone number in case anyone contacts you. So does anybody have a copy for sale of Briar of Life by AJS Brady? Give us a call if you have a copy and we'll put you in contact with the person who is looking to buy it. And could you please pay a request for Ryan Murphy from Bandon and Bandon Karate Club. Ryan is off to the Karate World Championships in the Czech Republic on Wednesday. Best of luck to Ryan and the rest of the Irish International Karate team. And that comes in from Ryan's family and friends in Bandon. Best of luck, Ryan. And I don't know who's, who, which member of the family sent in that text, but keep us posted. Let us know how Ryan and the rest of the team are getting on, please. Staying on sport, Mike says another bad weekend for Cork Hurling. Sad to think that Bill Cooper and Pat Horgan won't win All-Ireland medals. That's uh, from uh, Mike. And it wasn't just a bad weekend for Cork Hurling. It was a bad weekend for the Cork footballers as well. Well, enough said. I hear you hear you cry. Enough said. Eighteen fifty, three 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 one zero three. An email into Patricia at c103.ie from Marie. Says, "Morning, Patricia. Just as I was going into mass yesterday in Ballinspittle, a woman walked by with her two dogs. The woman stopped to allow one of the dogs to do his business. And guess what? She then continued to walk on by without." cleaning up. I was surprised by this in such a public place, especially since the council have spent such a lot of money trying to highlight this awful problem. Thanking you, says Marie. Isn't that just shocking? I mean, to think that it was, I mean, Marie spotted on the way to Mass, so it had to be close by the entrance to the church that someone's walking around with their dogs. It was a beautiful morning to be out walking her dogs yesterday. She was dead right to get out and about and get herself some exercise and get her dogs exercised and probably decided to go out early before the midday sun hit in and it would be too warm for herself and for her little moggies to be out in the sun. But dear God, if you're going to bring your dogs for a walk and you are going to do it in such a public place like passing by where the church is in Balance Spittle, will you bring your plastic bags please with you and clean up after you because you think of people going into mass 
elderly people, the eyesight mightn't be great. They mightn't spot it on the ground. Somebody with a buggy, the pram rolls over, child walks into it, somebody in a wheelchair. It's just dreadful. Shame on whoever it is. I'd love to think that that person is listening to us. Were you out yesterday morning around mass time walking your two dogs in Balance Spittle? Are you the woman who didn't clean up after her dogs? If so, shame. And please don't do it Do it again. But it looks like the way that was described to me by Marie, it looks to me like that woman never cleans up after her dogs. If she's going to do it in such a public place, because you know you'll see people do it and they'll kind of look around to make sure nobody's watching. And if they think they'll get away with it, they'll walk on by. But to actually stop with the dog let the dog do his business. You know, it wasn't that she couldn't have seen it and then to just simply walk away smacks to me of somebody who just doesn't care and does it all of the time. 1850 Now, we've had a text in from a listener to say, Patricia, is there anything that can be done about a young teenage girl driving a mobile bike? I hope you understand what I mean. Now, a mobile bike to me, is it some kind of a scooter that you're talking about. Anyway, text says she drives on the road and she drives incredibly fast. We live in an estate and she drives on the wrong side of the road. For example, I was driving in to the estate yesterday. I actually had to stop to leave her go because she was actually on the wrong side of the road. I'm not sure if she should even be out on a road. She does wear a helmet, but if God forbid anything happened, the person driving the car would be the one responsible, the one getting into trouble and the one whose whose insurance would be hit for sure. If I'm right, I think that these mobile bicycles are not even allowed on the road. It's happened to me in the Pike Road area of uh, Formoy. Now, if it's a scooter you're talking about, a mobile bike, is is it a scooter? If it's a scooter, then she shouldn't even be up on it because in order to have a scooter, a scooter comes in under the same, it's the same as a motorcycle or a moped. You have to have a current driving licence or a learner permit, which means then you have to have tax and uh, insurance. And a young teenager of 13, 14 wouldn't be able to have a learner permit. You can't get a learner permit until you're 17. Isn't that the age you get your learn, learner permit? So if that's the case, if it is some kind of a moped or a scooter, then yes, you're right. She shouldn't be out on the road. And I don't know if you're going to be able to challenge her or talk to her parents about it, but it does seem like a very dangerous situation that you were describing, even with a helmet on. And you're right. If she's driving on the wrong side of the road and you get involved in an accident uh, with her, Will you be the one who will be held responsible? 1850 And actually that came in and the listeners said it happened in the, the Pike Road area of Vermoy. I also had a much more lengthy text in from a listener saying, uh, uh, describing really shocking antisocial behaviour in the same area of Vermoy. Now, we're not going to get to deal with it today, but we are going to get to deal with it tomorrow because we've asked one of the local councillors to come on and talk to us about the particular situation. And I'll read out, I'll wait and hold off on reading out the text because it's quite a lengthy text and I'll read it out tomorrow. But just to let people know, we will be dealing with the issue of antisocial behaviour. And it seems to me antisocial behaviour by... I'm I'm thinking, is are, are these teenagers... Again? It's a gang of youths. So I'm assuming people, young people on their summer holidays. And I don't know, while this is for Moy 
the one we're going to deal with tomorrow. I don't know if it's been replicated across the county in other areas. Are other uh, housing estates and areas having problems with young people out at night, beautiful summer's evenings? They're all on their summer holidays, so they're not at home doing study or doing homework. So they're all out. Do their parents know what they're getting up to? Probably not. So I don't know if it is a, if it is a more a bigger widespread problem but as I say we will deal with it in more detail tomorrow but in the meantime if anybody can offer advice to that listener on the mobile bike I'm thinking a scooter or a moped and a young teenage girl driving around very very fast on the road if anybody has advice as to what or how that can be dealt with 1850 103 because I would fear for somebody hitting that young girl firstly they're getting involved in an accident and the young girl could be injured but also failing that even if it was only a minor injury it's the insurance premiums I would worry about for the driver of the car and actually that brings me nicely it's in the papers today that there's been a 7% drop in car insurance for most motorists last year have you noticed that that your premium went down now if you're a young driver or you're a returning immigrant or you have any kind of a claims history then you you can forget it you are have seen huge increases in your insurance premiums. But while the all-round decrease for the second year in a row is good news for many, there are these certain groups that have been hit with substantial bills. Conor Faulkner of the AA is talking about it. He said for the second successive year, the Central Statistics Office findings in relation to insurance show a significant year-on-year drop. While that's a positive development, he says we're still a long, long way away from truly fixing many of the issues in our insurance system which contributes to the price rises and we've been seeing our car insurance premiums rise since 2015. He said it's true that some progress has been made in that space but with each passing month he says it begins to feel more and more that the government have moved their attention onto other matters We'll be talking about Brexit and that the motorists are simply being forced to now once again get used to high insurance prices. He said it's particularly true for anyone who has what he describes as a non-standard driving history, whether it's the case of you're a young driver or you're a returning uh, immigrant, uh, you're seeing massive insurance bills, particularly in year one of driving in Ireland. And it's one of the most common complaints we hear from returning immigrants. We could have had somebody living abroad in the States for many, many years or in in Australia or anywhere across Europe. They might have been driving for years on a full licence, never had an accident. I mean, I remember speaking to somebody who said that they drove in downtown Manhattan every single day for 20 years and decided to come back to this country uh, to retire, had a full American driver's licence and they were back to square one here as if they'd never got behind the wheel of a car before and they were quite taken aback uh, by uh, that. And I think Conor Faulkner could be right in that you wonder has the government's eye gone off the ball when it comes to car insurance. I mean in 2015 when we started seeing increases everybody was complaining about car insurance premiums. I mean, we were certainly doing it almost on a monthly basis. We would have another story to tell of somebody's car insurance going up, even though nothing, they'd done nothing differently uh, to the previous year. And then all, obviously, of the TDs were getting complaints in from their constituents. So the government were getting involved and they were putting pressure on the motor industry to say, come on, boys, you know, play by the rules. You're making profits. We've seen that they've been making profits. You need to be passing on some of the reductions to motorists. And it does look like 
some of it's been passed on but not all but there has been a slight reduction but we are still paying way more than what we would have been paying pre-2015 when we were paying very low at one stage. It was it was terrific. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. And just a quick message in. This is for Lisa. Well, I, I recapped on Lisa's story because we're going to be talking about maintenance payments in a couple of minutes on the programme. And I mentioned Lisa, who had contacted us last week because she's battling to get maintenance from her ex-husband who's left and she was saying she just doesn't know if she's got the strength to go to the court and she doesn't know does she want to go through the whole court system and was looking for advice is there any other way that she could get the maintenance that she's entitled to for her children well a texter has says and it's kind of a direct message for Lisa I was married to a man who sounds just like the man that Lisa described I was in and out of court several times I even ended up getting an attachment order on his wages for 50 euro. Court is the hardest thing I've ever had to do and by the way it was also really expensive. Looking back I wouldn't do it again. I would instead put all my effort into my children. After putting my children through college and everything else they needed all on my own I'm now the proud parent of lovely happy and healthy adults. He hasn't any contact with them. He's just a disgrace. He now lives on his own. I don't know I don't know why he has treated his children like that because really you wouldn't treat a dog like the way he treated his uh, children. Yeah, and I know one of Lisa's points in her commentary in her letter to us last week was that her husband doesn't want anything to do with his children and he's actually said that when they're 18 he'll pick up an adult relationship with them. And I did say at the time I hope it stays fine for him because of a funny feeling his children might want to know about him at uh, 18. So thank you for that good sound advice to give to Lisa and I think Lisa that's exactly why Lisa doesn't want to go to court. She knows how difficult a situation and how hard it's going to be. That's why what's coming up in a couple of minutes, one of the issues we're going to be addressing is do we need a state agency that would take all of that litigation and that courtroom setting and would take it out of forcing people to go to court and forcing people to have to pay for the expense of going to court. Thank you for your WhatsApp and good to know that you've raised such gorgeous children who no doubt absolutely idolise their mother. I've often said it, you're better off being a mother or a father having one good parent in your life than uh, one that's a deadbeat. 1850-333-103, lines are open. C103 Jobs. An accounts assistant is wanted to work from home. It's for a luxury inbound tour operator. General operatives are wanted for a busy meat manufacturing company. They're based in Watergrass Hill. Why a machine driver is wanted for Cork City. It's for a seven and a half ton machine. And hotel staff are required for Kinsale. They're looking for various different staff, including accommodation executives, function room and bar staff. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, last week we heard from a local mother who is having problems getting maintenance from her ex-husband. So I was interested to see that the National Women's Council has called for a state-funded agency to be set up to help mothers sue absent fathers for maintenance payments. Joining me, the Director of the Women's Council, uh, Orla O'Connor. Good morning to you, Orla. 
Good morning. And um, you're welcome. As it stands, what A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Does the woman have to go to get in order to secure maintenance? Well, you know, the situation that we have right now is that for many um, families, they are going to court, they are getting maintenance orders. And then the difficulty is that when those maintenance orders aren't um, continued, that are, are sometimes aren't even started, then they have to keep going back to court. And, and, and I think the thing is that what we're recommending is that there is a statutory child maintenance um, service or agency. And the reason we're doing that is that we want to, first of all, take it out of the court system because the court system in itself, it's a really anxious and a stressful experience for both parents. And the idea behind a, a child maintenance service is so it would remove it from that. And also as well, I mean, this isn't, this isn't all about, you know, like you said at the start, around, you know, going after parents. I mean, really what what this is about in the first instance, it can act as a real support for advice and information in terms of coming to an agreement on maintenance. So that would be, for example, where, you know, where both, you know, both parents know that they're going to be paying maintenance and they want to come to an agreement in terms of how much and how should it work. So the agency, and this is how it would work in other countries, for example, in the UK, can give them support and advice on that. And then when an agreement can't be reached, the agency can then can sort of act as a mediator almost and can calculate an appropriate amount that should be made by by the parents. And then in, in, the, in the third instance, and that's where you get into the I suppose, more difficult circumstances, is that where a parent refuses to engage and then and doesn't provide maintenance, mm. that the agency could determine the amount and also have the authority to collect that payment and give it to, to, to the parent. Who's directly from parent. wages, for example. It, it could be directly from wages. It could be directly from, from social welfare, yeah. Do, and, ma- and I, do many well, lone parents not receive any maintenance from former partners? I mean, is it common? Well, the thing is, there isn't there isn't official data on it. What we have seen, and today there is a new survey out by one of the lone parent organisations, One Family. There's been a previous survey by another one, um, Spark, and they're saying that about half of lone parents are not receiving maintenance, and that all of the parents are having to, you know, resort to going to repeatedly going to courts. So we, there isn't official data because our data in terms of the family court system is very poor in Ireland. Um, but we certainly know from our members in the National Women's Council and and from lone parents, you know, telling us this that 
they're constantly, you know, they're constantly having to go back to court and that that's really difficult. And I think as well, the context of this is really important. Lone parents are families who are most risk of poverty in Ireland. Mm. Um, and and the statistics are there to back that up. They are, absolutely. I mean, the most recent um, CSO statistics show that 84% of lone parents were unable to meet unexpected expenses. They can't, They have consistently featured over the past number of years in those families who are at highest risk of poverty. And we also know now from, from our homeless figures that lone parents, again, are featuring really high in terms of parents parents who are in emergency accommodation. So there is a whole cycle of poverty here for lone parents and child maintenance could make a real difference in terms of alleviating the poverty of lone parents. Yeah, and it's getting to, to get them out of court. And when I mentioned you were coming on the programme with one of our listeners who's been through the situation, now luckily she's at the other end, her children are grown up and they're healthy and happy, thank God. But she described court at the time that it was the hardest thing she ever had to do. And she also said it was really expensive. She had to keep bringing her partner back into court. There is an expense okay. yeah. um, attached to it as well. Well, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, where where parents, you know, where where they're not entitled to, um, you know, any, any support, any uh, free legal aid in relation to this, it is extremely expensive to have to keep going back to court, and particularly when you have so little resources. And it's also, I mean, I think one of the things the parents would say to us, it's the huge stress involved with go, having to go into court. And one of the things as well that I think is important in, um, in relation to the setting up of a child maintenance agency is that in cases, for example, of where there is domestic violence, um, that, that the agency can automatically, so it's an automatic piece that the agency would determine the amount and would also um, organise the mechanism for, for collection and for giving it to the parent so that you're removing the contact that has to happen in relation to that. And I think that's, that's really key in this. Because at the moment, if there was domestic abuse and that was the reason the marriage broke down, the parent could still have to face off against the other parents. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, because, and, and, and I mean, that is one of the, you know, real risk factors for women because then they're having to have to have contact with the person who, who has, you know, perpetrated the abuse and, and the violence in, 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 you know, in many cases. I mean, we know that, you know, at least one in four women will experience domestic violence in Ireland. You can also see, Orla, why some women wouldn't be bothered going anywhere near him for the maintenance. Well, uh, yeah, and I mean, I think that could be probably behind some of the stats in terms of, um, you know, from the surveys that the lone parent organisations have done where they're saying, you know, half lone parents don't receive maintenance. And that, and, and I, I think you're right. I think the whole stress that goes behind all of this is, you know, they're making a decision, well, you know, is, is it worthwhile? And yet they're losing a significant amount of money. And they're also, like, I also think it's important to think of, you know, the impact that that has then on, on on the child and the relationship with the child because having a mother and it's you know in the majority of cases we're talking about mothers in terms of lone parent families but having a mother who's under severe stress has an impact in terms of how um you know on the relationship with the child so there's you know there's huge impacts here and we should be doing as much as we can to support lone parent families and that's why the women's council is recommending this in in the pre-budget commission also just to say this has been recommended by the joint therapist committee in the doll um in 2017 so and it was also recommended by the un committee on human rights on 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 women's rights sorry 
um, in relation to their report in Ireland. So, so it isn't a new idea? No, absolutely not. It's not a new idea at all. And, and have any has any government ever look has any government ever looked at it? Well, they've looked at it through the Joint Process Committee, but yeah. there hasn't been steps to take it on board, and that's why we're really prioritising it. And particularly because of the situation of low parent families in Ireland today with regard to poverty. As you mentioned, it is part of your pre budget submission. I was also interested to see in your pre budget submission you're calling for free contraception. Why do you believe that's so important? Yeah, we think that's that is really important in terms of women being able to access contraception. And it is, it is one of the recommendations that was brought forward prior to the referendum to, re- to repeal the Eighth Amendment. You might remember there was a joint Oireachtas committee. They recommended to the government around repealing the Eighth, but also to put in place, and there was two particular recommendations surrounding it, and one was the, the, the provision of contraception and the other one was sex education. And we're prioritising both of those, but particularly in terms of free contraception, because there is a huge cost barrier in relation to long-term contraception. Um, and that's what's, you know, proven to be, you know, the safest, the, the most sort of long-term um, security g- given. So that's why it's important that, that and, and also that it's free because it is expensive. OK, and I can see a lot of people agreeing with you on the state-funded uh, agency, people, you know, talking about what happens when, when a maintenance order is made and, and, and the person doesn't pay up. You're just yeah. you're in and out to the courts. I mean, that's what's happening at the moment. Absolutely, yeah, mm. and, and it's, it's, it's a constant. And also as well, I mean, I think, although it, it, it's not the reason that we would be arguing or, or you know, recommending it, but, but there's also a, a huge amount of time spent in the courts on this. So it's not even an, an efficient way of dealing with our resources in the courts because the courts are already overburdened and the judges are with their waiting That's list. a good point. That's a good point. So and, and it would save on legal aid as well because there's a number yeah, of them are, are using legal aid. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of pluses to it. Okay, um, Orla, thank you for that. And uh, thank thanks you. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That thank is uh, Orla O'Connor, who is Director of the National Women's uh, Council. Uh, Ellen in Cork City says, what about fathers who are expected to pay maintenance and are not allowed any access Hmm, why are they not allowed access? I mean, were they back in, they should be in court. Uh, again, this is where we're all back to the court uh, situation and fighting everything to, to, through the courts. Uh, Margaret in North Cork says her daughter's ex-boyfriend went to court to get access to his child. He was ordered to pay 20 euro, euro per week by way of maintenance. Now he is over €500 Euro in arrears. Her daughter fo- phoned the court a few times but always got the impression they were on his side. They say that they will write to him but there is not much that they can do. He was supposed to see his daughter once a week but now he only sees the child once a, a month and he was the one who went to court to get access uh, to the child again. At the moment, what you can do is you can go back to court. I mean, access issues are separate to maintenance and I don't know if the state-funded agency was put in place. I mean, judging by what Orla was saying, the state-funded agency that they're looking for is to do with maintenance payments. Would it also deal with access? I don't know. Will access always have to be decided through the, through the courts? But we're back again. The only way to get it sorted is to go back through the courts and it is such a stressful environment for everyone everyone involved uh, in it. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. And by the way, I can just see a text in from somebody saying, if I ring 1850 am I straight uh, live on the radio? No, you're not. When you ring, you get through to uh, Bernie. 
And then if you'd like to join us, uh, we can talk about that separately. But no, you're not put straight through onto the radio. And you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Five varieties of Irish trees are in the running to be deemed Ireland's best. It's part of a European-wide competition to discuss what's been described as the Eurovision of trees. I'm joined by Joe McConville, who's President of the Tree Council of Ireland. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning. Now, t- tell me about the five finalists, one of which is here in Cork, and how they were actually selected. Okay, so we, the Tree Council, in association with the Irish um, Tree Society, um, sent out inquiries to various landowners and public authorities and people that have big, interesting trees. Um, and we asked them to submit trees to be selected for the Irish nomination for Tree of the Year. So we got a sh- we, we got all the entries in and we've produced a shortlist and the shortlist is now up on the website and it's the five trees you just referred to, one of which is the Witches You in Blarney Castle. Now, I'm not being biased here, but I did go online. No. I did go online to vote, and I looked at all five trees, and I have to say, I think the witch is you stands out head and shoulders above them all. I'm sorry, now I have to say. It. <laughs> well, Tell no, me, you're, allowed, you're allowed to say that you're allowed, you're absolutely allowed to be biased. I can't be, unfortunately. It is, but, it, it, yeah. but it is glorious, and it's got a, an incredible history behind it. Yes, and that's that's what that's what we're looking for, and that's what the, that's what will win a European Tree of the Year. It doesn't have to be the biggest or the boldest, it has to have a really good backstory, um, and people have to engage with it. That's what we want. We want people to engage with the trees so that they can identify and that the, the tree in their, in their maybe in their locality, obviously Ireland being the locality we're talking about at the moment, um, has an interest. And then when it goes on to, to Europe, it can, it can com- compete with other interesting trees from across Europe. To, 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 to those that don't know the story... Tell the legend behind the witches you in Blarney Castle. Well, I suppose there's a number of there's a number of stories, but one of the one of the the, the stories is that there was a witch that lived in the underneath you, and it was she that knew about the secret of the Blarney Stone, <laughs> um, that it could give um, anyone that kissed it elegance of speech. So it, she imparted that that knowledge, and other legends then say that, that there's still a witch living there, and that. If you're in the gardens very early in the morning, that you might just see the embers of the dying fire in her kitchen underneath the yew. She's a good witch, though. Well, yeah, I mean, I think all witches are good. Yeah, she's a bit Disney witches that are bad. Yeah, yeah, she's she's she's. But it is it is just a gorgeous. It's just a beautiful tree. It really is a beautiful tree. Tell me about the other. Let's be fair in the interest of balance. Tell me about the other four. The other four. Then we have the mighty oak at the Battle of the Boyne site, which was appeared in a painting, a contemporary painting done at the time of the battle. So we know the tree was at, was there during the, that great battle. Um, so that's a very old tree. Um, we have a huge sycamore in Arbor Hill, which predates the burial of the signatories that were buried there at the back of the Arbor Prison near Collins Barracks in Dublin. So that, that I mean, if trees could talk, they could tell mm. all the stories from Irish history. We have a fabulous old Sweet chestnut, sweet chestnut in Castletown, um, or in yeah in Selbridge, and we have another sycamore in Farmley, uh, which is a, a very very old tree. They are, they all are. They're, they are they're stunning trees. They yeah. they are just stunning trees. So the public can vote now. 
Isn't but it? That's open. Now, we're going to we're going to we're going to have voting for the next month. Um, they just go on to treeoftheyear.ie, and if you, as you said, you've been on it's very simple website yeah. to follow. You just click on the trees, the picture of the trees. It gives information about the tree, and then you just click on vote. And you can only vote once. It isn't one of these you ones have, that you can keep yeah, voting for. It's it is, and because, and then when. But what is good, when we select our trees to represent Ireland in the European competition, we can vote for Ireland. It's not like the Eurovision, but we okay. can't. We, we can vote for the Irish tree. <laughs> when, yeah. Okay, when does the Irish winner get announced? Uh, we'll announce the Irish winner in around September sometime, and then that'll go forward to Europe and the European competition. So what we're doing is we're, we're preparing the Irish tree for the 2020 European competition, and the voting for that will open sometime in and around um, I think it's January or February. But if anybody watches our website, treecouncil.ie, um, we'll be putting up information. And if people submit their email addresses with the vote, um, we'll email them back when the European competition is Great. open so they can vote again. Great. And, and we'll keep we'll keep listeners updated as well. Have we yeah. entered this competition before? Ireland? We have in the past, but we haven't we haven't engaged with this competition for the last number of years. Because we didn't have it, it we just it, it needs somebody to to do all this organisation and promote it. So this year, the Tree Council of Ireland um, took on the role in association with um, the Irish Tree Society. So we've been out of the competition for a number of years. So this is our, our comeback. So we need to we need to get behind. So it. we haven't won then. We we haven't no. like we do oh, in the, no. with the Eurovision. We no, don't have a record not, like that. Okay, we don't have a record like that. Oh, no. And no. give us an example of like who won last year. Last year it was um, a, a, a flaring almond. Um, from and I believe it was hungry, hungry that won. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, have we um, a chance? Do you think? Um, okay. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. We have got we've got some very very good trees in that mix, and I won't be biased, but okay. you can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, we're in with a chance, aren't we? I, I mean, think, we could, I think yeah. our trees have good stories. Yeah, and it will engage the, the the public and everybody. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but everybody around the world knows of the Barney Stone. Yeah. So there's a bit of a pushing an open door there. Yeah, I think um, so. But as it well. is. It's it's. It's an open competition for all five trees, and I'm not going to. Okay, I'm not going to be biased. <laughs> Vote <laughs> for the tree in Blarney, okay? You like. And Joe, talk to me about trees. I mean, we know planting trees is so important for for it climate is. change. Are we planting enough trees? No, no. Simply, we're not. We have we have targets to improve. We are very, by comparison to our other European um, counterparts. We are way below in the amount of grounds that we have planted in Ireland. We're in and around the 11%. And if you include all our hedgerows and, and city trees, we, we sort of push it a little bit towards 15% of, of cover. The European countries, the averages are 30%. Um, so we are behind. But it's, it's trying to, we've got to engage with landowners, with the public, to plant more trees. And it is in, it is in all of the national programmes um, including the climate change program, that we need more trees because it's the trees that are one of the major solutions to climate change because they're going to reduce the amount of, of free carbon in the atmosphere. Um, and so we, have and to we, this. we can all do our bit by planting trees in our own gardens? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the Tree Council, we have a scheme with the Family Tree Scheme where we'll plant trees in forests for you. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can buy a family tree um, and we're going to be launching programmes over that, hopefully, over the next twelve months, where we're going to engage with with companies that want to sort of do something about climate change, and we we'll find places to plant trees, and that's what's really important. So this competition engages the public with trees, so they they're not just things that we're talking about; 
everybody talks about climate change, everybody talks about we need to plant trees, but now we're talking about trees with personalities so we can engage and and the public can understand, you know, what trees do and how important they are. Um, and then hopefully when people are more tree aware, it's going to be an easier um, job to get them to start planting. Yeah, and you know, it's. I think it's just something lovely to leave behind. I mean, some of those trees, as you say, if only the trees could speak. Yeah, yeah. they're hundreds of years old, and we're we're leaving them for future generations. And I know and we it. we do a gardening slot here with uh, Peter Dowdle on a Wednesday. He's always advocating for native yeah. Irish trees. Absolutely, and, and this competition isn't about necessarily the trees don't have to be native. And in fact, we've only got two native trees in the competition. The others are. Are, are new Irish or welcomed Irish, um, but it just if if we can get it. And the lovely thing about planting a tree is that it's going to be there way past your life, life yeah. and and your children's. And I've been very lucky over my professional career working with trees that I've planted so many hundreds and hundreds of trees. So I've made my mark. And one of the nicest things I did when I look at now when you Google Maps and where you, I can see areas that I've transformed from being open plain grassland to woodland that it oh. comes up the trees are that big now that they actually come up on satellite how far um, so fabulous. if you get out and plant one tree you're yeah. contributing to that and one of, one of the suggestions that I always give to people, if particularly if you're going to be a godparent to a child, yes, give definitely. a tree plant a Absolutely. christening tree that I that have, child I've will a, grow up with yeah I have a garden full of them have you? Yeah. it's great, it's, it's a lovely it's, nep- nephews and nieces, it's a yeah. gor- gorgeous a idea great idea, and, and if you've got a small garden it doesn't. you don't have to go out and buy a big oak that's going to live for 600 years you can buy a small tree like a, uh, like a mountain ash, mm. the rowan or um, there's so many other trees suitable little garden trees that you'll enjoy and will live long and prosper. Okay, tell people how they can vote, Joe. So all they need to do is to get onto the, uh, the website treeoftheyear.ie so treeoftheyear is all one word, .ie it'll pop up, it's a real simple website you'll see the photographs, you select the tree that you're interested in, read a bit about it and then go scroll down and it says that's, you just press the vote button. Okay, and you just have one vote so you, so you just one do vote. it once yeah, because and it's connected, yeah, it's connected back to your, I don't understand the technology of this, okay. but it's connected back to your email address yeah, yeah. from where you voted. And yeah. you're voting for which is you, Blarney Castle Cork, that's my suggestion. Alright okay. Joe, listen, the, the, listen the best of luck with it, it's, it's a terrific competition and uh, we'll keep in contact and no doubt we'll talk again, so take care. Yeah, come back to us when we, will. when we select the winner. We and, absolutely uh, will, we'll come back to celebrate Cork's win because it's the only All-Ireland <laughs> we're going to win this year. Listen, yeah, well, there you go. Uh, Fabulous. Thanks okay. for that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Joe McConville who is President of the Tree Council of uh, Ireland. Get on there and uh, vote and learn all about trees and it's just well done to Blarney Castle. It is the most stunning tree. Actually when I was looking at it and I was only looking at the pictures online and I saw photographs of it uh, in the paper it made me want to go to Blarney Castle to actually to see this tree because it's quite quite uh, spectacular so saying I'm not being biased the other trees are gorgeous the other ones that are in at the the Sycamore and Farm Lee looks gorgeous and there's a Sycamore in Arbor Hill that looks lovely and then the Chestnut that's in the Castletown Estate in Kildare and then there's an Oak in Boyne in Meath they're lovely trees but the Witches you just stands out it's absolutely stunning 1850 it's the tree of the year you can text or whatsapp don't forget we are looking for your questions please for Annalise Dressel for the nutritional advice in the 
next hour to get those questions in as well. 0862 103 103. And can anybody offer Louise a bit of advice, please, on uh, what she should do here? She lives in the housing estate in the North Cork area. The middle of last month, she was reversing into her driveway and at the time, a local bin truck was collecting in her estate. She said she watched the driver get out of the truck and he urinated against the wheel in broad daylight. She said she was absolutely disgusted. So much so that she phoned the company and complained. And they, they called her back and they took it all quite seriously and they said they would have a word with him because she obviously was able to identify what truck, you know, who was on it so they'd know who was driving. And she felt it was indecent exposure. The following week, she noticed he wasn't on the truck. So he obviously had been reprimanded in some way. I don't know, was he suspended? Anyway, but then the, follow- the week after that, he was back again. So he's back on the truck. She now feels that he knows it was she who complained because she said this week he was kind of smirking at her from the truck. She phoned the company again and they said they got to management but she hasn't heard anything uh, since. And she is just wondering, you know, what or what advice, just contact us, what advice would you give her? Was it, is that indecent exposure, urinating, broad daylight, up against the side of the truck in the middle of a housing estate. I'm sure we've got some laws and regulation, rules and regulations, have we, around uh, doing uh, that. As I say, she did, she felt that the company took her seriously the first time she rang and then they said they'd go to management but she hasn't heard anything else. Should she get back on to the company? Should she keep on to the company about it? Now, I don't know whether the, the guy knows for sure Louise, it is you. I mean, I'm. You would take it that he would get called in to say that somebody saw you urinating. You're not allowed to do that anymore. I mean, I don't know. Do they get breaks if you're working on bin trucks? If you're out and about, do you get breaks to go to the toilet? Are there public to- there obviously isn't a public toilet around in a housing estate? But do they get enough breaks to allow them to go to the toilet? Because obviously they can't do a full eight-hour shift and not stop at some stage to go to the loo. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If anybody has advice for Louise as to how she handles a situation like that going forward, text her WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Annelise Drussell joins us in the next hour with nutritional advice. We're also going to speak with Keith Burns' dad. Keith Byrne is the young man in America who is under threat of deportation because he's been an illegal immigrant for some 12 years. That's all coming up. Afternoons at 12. Alyssa says, Trisha, I was in Mallow on Saturday evening with my son driving around the town of his son's coming up to his tests and doing some practising. So we were driving around the town and the housing estates and I was shocked to see the road markings. As my son is doing his tests there on Thursday, you couldn't read them. It's a disaster for a town where so many people are doing their test. Has other people noticed that, that the road uh, markings? I know certainly where I live, we just recently got some new road markings because we got a new surface laid down uh, last week. So new road markings went in there. uh, Road markings are one of those things when you live in an area, you don't notice them so much. You don't notice if they're faded, if they are very bad. It's only when you're new to an area. You know, you're not used to driving in an area. But you are right because it is, you know, it is a centre for dry, where driving tests go on, you would have assumed that all of the test routes, I don't know, is there four or five set test routes for driving around the town? You would assume that all of those, the road markings would be correct. 
because it's a nerve wracking enough experience without getting confused if you're not from the town and you don't know the road uh, marking. So I'm surprised to um, hear that, that they are that bad. But according to the solicitor, they are a disaster. Has others noticed that, particularly other people coming to do tests? And did it throw them in any way? Did, you know, does somebody feel that they, they perhaps failed a test and it was down to poor road markings rather than their driving ability? Now, we've had a number of people contact us in regards to Louise's call. Louise was the lady who contacted us because last month she was in her housing estate in North Cork, driving, reversing into her driveway and looking out the driveway of her house and she could see local bin truck in collecting the bins from the area and the driver hops out of the van, the truck, and he goes to the toilet. He pees up against the wheel of the truck in broad daylight. And she was really, really quite disgusted by the whole thing and actually went so far as to say, is that not indecent exposure? So she felt so strongly about it. She didn't just ring the radio station complaining. She rang the company, said what truck it was, where it happened, the time it happened. They said they'd have a word. He wasn't back on the truck the following week. Now, it could have been the lead holidays as well. I'm not saying that the incident had anything to do with him not being on the truck the following week. But then the week after he was back, Louise feels he's smirking at her as if I know you were the one who complained to me, kind of thing. So she got back on again to the man, to the company who said that they'll refer it on to management. But she hasn't heard anything uh, yet. And she was just wondering anything else that she could do. And we were looking for advice on did Louise do the right thing? What else could she have done, etc. And that whole thing about urinating in, in public. Now, I did try during the news at 12, didn't have a lot of time to check what is the law. I think it does, it comes under public order, doesn't it? I can't find an exact law that states it is illegal to urinate in public. But we have had enough people in court over the years for usually for antisocial behaviour and it might have been stated that the person was also urinating in public and that they were being a nuisance. But just actually just urinating, I I don't know. I can't, as I say, I'll do a bit more research later on this afternoon, but I can't see how many people have actually been prosecuted in this country for just urinating in a public place. And does it fall in under indecent exposure? And what are the actual laws? Mags says uh, it is, it's legal to urinate on the wheel of a vehicle, according to Mags. I don't know where she's getting that from because, like, there isn't a toilet everywhere you go. I mean, if you're driving a long journey, you mightn't always be able to come across a toilet when you suddenly need to use a toilet. And if you've got to pull in on the side of the road, maybe that's where Mags is coming from, that, you know, if you're on, on a long journey, there's no toilet around, there's no place to stop. We know on certain sections of the motorway, there just isn't any places uh, to stop and people have been constantly complaining about that. So, you know, what do you do? Mag says, according to her, it's it's legal on the wheel of a vehicle. So not sort of doing it out in the middle of the street, but if you're doing it on the wheel of a vehicle, and I, and I suppose you'd try and do it as discreetly as possible is where Mags is coming from. But I don't know what the law is. Is it indecent exposure when it's in the middle of a housing estate when there could have been children around uh, or anything else? Uh, Pat says, hi Patricia, I would advise that, and I'm not going to use that word, but it's an unkind word about Louise, who's going around spying on people taking a leak to just get a life. That's from Pat. And by WhatsApp, Jim says, read the bin man urinating. That matter should have been referred to on Garda Shea Corner. 
Louise should have taken it one step further. If it was done in front of children, it opens up another question. It was in a housing estate. I don't know if there was children around, but the fact that it was in a housing estate, of course, there could have been children around. And someone else says, oh, Trish, tell Louise to get a life. So it's a kind of a split down the middle when it comes to people thinking it is OK, it isn't OK. And people saying she shouldn't have said anything. Somebody else has said, well done to uh, Louise. That man needs to be more responsible for his actions. Of course, he's working hard at his job, but he needs to factor in toilet breaks. Don't we all do that? We don't all go around peeing on the side of the street. I think she was right to have reported him. 1850 Keep your, I can see questions coming in for Annalise Dressel. Keep those coming, please. On maintenance, hi Patricia, if you get maintenance paid through the courts and they don't pay it, you can have them arrested. That's the job. That's the way to do it and that will soon soften it and they'll make sure that they pay it in future. Again, it's going down the legal route, which is what we were we were hearing from parents, including Lisa last week. She doesn't want to go down the legal route. Who wants to go down the route of going into court and in and out of court? And then the other lady who contacted us today, who's at the other end of it, her children are all now grown up, thank God. But she uh, said it's just expensive, it's draining and it's nerve wracking and it's intimidating and nobody, nobody wants to go, go, go down that route. But yeah, if you have to, you have to. I can absolutely see that. And thank you, Margaret McCroom and a couple of others to say the Cork footballers are still in the competition for the All-Ireland. They're playing next week in the Super 8s. They are, of course. It was just it was just such a disappointing the two days back-to-back losing the matches. Yeah, I'm losing the run of myself. There is still a chance when I said the only chance we have now of winning an All-Ireland is the trees. But I think the tree is another way of us winning an All-Ireland uh, competition. But of course, you're right, the footballers are still there as well and we wish them the very best of luck going forward. 1850-333-103. Bernie is taking your calls filling in for John Paul who's on holidays. The phone lines have been quite busy so bear with us uh, please. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Now bingo continues in Butterfinch GAA Hall on Monday night so it's on tonight at half past eight. The jackpot is €4,300 plus there's one €1,300 in prizes and everyone is very welcome to attend. The Mizzen Looper is an annual charity cycle. It's in aid of West Cork Down Syndrome Support Group and it's on Saturday the 27th of July beginning and ending in Drimmer League. Now there are two routes available. One is an 80 kilometre cycle and the other is a 130 kilometre cycle. More information and registration is available and you do need to register please by going on mizzenlooper.com to register. And a lift is wanted from Churchtown to Mallow Monday to Friday between 7am and 7.30am so an early start petrol and diesel money will be contributed to. If you can help out and you're leaving the Churchtown area heading to Mallow Monday to Friday at that hour of the morning can you call 086 319 4350 and as part of a fundraising drive for the refurbishment of the Castletown Roach and Ballyhooley churches, a scrap metal collection will be held tomorrow, Tuesday, and again on Wednesday. 
scrap can be left at Annie Shinnick's farm in Ballyhooley or Colm O'Connor's yard also in Ballyhooley between 10am and 8pm on both days that's tomorrow Tuesday and again on Wednesday and Fremont Summer Cultus Session will be held in Fremont Heritage Centre every Wednesday night for the month of July and August half past eight each week and special guest this Wednesday is Francis Curtin Kennedy Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, the family of undocumented immigrant Keith Byrne, originally from Formoy, says he's been treated like a criminal and he now faces deportation from the US. His Keith's dad, Jim Byrne, uh, joins me on the programme. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jim. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. I suppose, firstly, how is Keith doing? Well, I spoke to him yesterday afternoon around four o'clock okay. from the detention centre he's been kept in. And uh, he, he was in exceptionally good form in comparison to the previous three days I was speaking to him. His uh, wife had sent him in, had read news from the uh, from the papers in Philadelphia, and she told him of the support that he was getting there. And I told him of the support that he was getting here. And uh, that raised his spirits immensely. He was he was very happy to hear that he was getting support because he so was, he I imagine, extremely down oh, he since was, he was arrested on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. On Thursday you couldn't talk to him. On Friday even it was you couldn't talk to him. He was you couldn't you just couldn't get his spirits going. But yesterday when I spoke to him, he was a different person. He was that's he good. Was, and, was there, Jim? Hard for you as a dad. To, to hear your son that down? It is. It's, I mean, I haven't seen Keith for 12 years uh, since he went to America, but I will say this about him. Every single weekend, Friday or Saturday or Sunday, he phoned. Yeah. And um, we kept in touch that way. But um, it is, it, it's not easy. It's, uh, this is something that we kind of knew could happen, obviously. we. He, but he's been fighting... Uh, He's had two different solicitors in the last ten years, trying to trying to get his uh, his green card, trying to get him registered. Now they gave him everything except the green card. Yeah, this is what's really uh, particularly unfair in in Keith's case. It's not that he's been over there as undocumented and doing nothing about it. He's been really fighting the system to try to legalize his status. Well, he had. A business going. He started up his own business. They gave him uh, a work permit. They gave him a driving license. They gave him a social security number. He was paying income tax. He was paying income tax for the people that he was that was working for him. So his solicitor even gave him permission or to go ahead uh, six months ago to buy a new house, which he, which he he bought there around six months ago at the beginning of this year. He moved in. He moved in, I think it was the 12th or 4th of January. And um, everything seemed to be rosy at that time. And, you know, it, he still hadn't run out of the legal process of actually staying there. And, of course, and the most important part of this story, outside of he's built a successful career and, you know, he's got his little business up and running, he's got a wife and children. He's got a family there and, they're, they're, like I said, they're not long after moving into their new house. Um, he's got a wife and three children. She's working in the in the hospital in in Philadelphia. You know, and uh, 
the drone were working, he, he uh, Carlin's uh, way, uh, was able to pay the mortgage and Keith was able to pay the rest. So they had it all going for him. Life was good, except for this one little piece of paper. Oh, the American dream was there, and all of a sudden, it's this it's this kind of a misdemeanor, if you like, that he, he incurred when he was 20, 21 years of age uh, here in Ireland. That's holding everything back. You know, it's yeah. like getting a, a life sentence for a petty crime. For something that was, yeah, a very small offence that he got fined for. Never been in trouble since? No, he's... Uh, no, I was watching uh, CNN news uh, Sunday morning, yesterday morning, and uh, Thomas Homan was on the news. He's the ex-director uh, of the ICE, the Crowder of Holding Keys, and he said uh, that 87% of illegals in America have criminal charges against them. Now, Keith's been in America 12 years, and he hasn't even got a parking ticket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know he's kept his nose that, clean. Yeah, that's got to stand to him. That has you know, got to and, stand uh, to him. He's done. He's done what he had to do, and his lawyers were still fighting for it. But then, halfway through, one of his lawyer, one of the, the lawyer that he actually hired first day, is is now working for the State Department. He he got a, a big job with the State Department, so he had to get a different lawyer. He was back to square one with his new so lawyer. He was kind of back to square one, yeah. Yeah. And do you know what happened on the day? He was heading to work, I believe, and did he just get pulled in or pulled over by driving to work? Well, I was watching Trump as well on Sunday morning and he said on, on CNN that everyone that was picked up was picked up on foot of a warrant. Yeah. Now, if they had a warrant, obviously it was signed by a judge. But if they had a warrant to pick Keith up, they could have gone up to his door, knocked on the door and arrested him there and then. They didn't. They waited until he was in his van driving to work. They pulled him over and one of them drove the the van back to town and gave her the keys. Oh, God. And God help her, she was at home with the children. And she, that was the first she helped us. Well, her children weren't with her then. They were, they were staying with her mother. Oh, they're on summer holidays. They were on, a, they're on yeah. holidays at the moment. Yeah. And uh, but they were still in Philadelphia, and um, that's the first she knew about it. And Karen is American. Yeah, she's American. Yeah. Does does that not give Keith? You know, when you marry and like uh, if when... it's it's, um, it's a funny like I said here in Ireland, you don't get any any of these things. You don't get uh, work permits and 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 social welfare numbers until you're actually legal. A citizen. Yeah. You yeah. Know? until they've decided that, okay, you're going to become legal, and then you get all of that. It seems to be up in a heap over there, um, the way things are run over there. Maybe it's the, the country is too big for them. And marrying an, an American citizen and having children who are American, at the end of the day, the children are, are Americanized. They're American that, citizens, That yeah. doesn't help Keith in it's any not, way. Nothing, nothing seems to help. Nothing seems to be able to overcome the misdemeanor of the two uh, marijuana joints way back in when he was 21, 2021. Not even the fact that he had a grand aunt who, who immigrated to America years ago. And um, when she was 17, and she worked in a, in a hospital in San Antonio in Texas. And she was, a, she actually met her husband to be at the hospital. He was a Nile tycoon, and she married, and they were very happy. They had two children. But in 1964, 
she was diagnosed with cancer, with lung cancer. And she was advised by her medical code to, uh, she had to get out of Texas. It was too arid and she had to, she moved to California. But anyway, to cut a long story short, before she moved, she left the family home, which originally belonged to the West. It was built by uh, her father-in-law. She left that house and 45 acres of land at 422 um, King William Street in uh, San Antonio. Now, she left that at the children's hospital where she walked when she went to America. My goodness. And that was sold. It was sold to the um, San Antonio Society and they gave $1.5 million for the house and that money went to the children's hospital. Now, there's a fund set up, there's a society set up at the hospital called Nelly Bourne West Society to enable people to donate money out in a will or any other way. Like what she did to like get others to do it. And yeah. that would be a grand-aunt She'd be a grand-aunt of Keats, my father's sister. Oh my goodness! My goodness! So there's a there's a tradition of Burns going to Amer- going to America and being oh, is, good, yeah, decent, is, yeah. being good, yeah. decent people. Okay, there's a lot of support here, obviously, but there's equally a lot of support in the states. And I saw over the weekend, Jim. There's a GoFundMe page. There is a GoFundMe, yeah. And that's what to help with the legal costs. It's to help with legal costs, especially if Keith has to come home to get him back to the states. And are you thinking, is, is that what you're thinking may happen? He'll get deported on his own, obviously. He'll get sent back here and then he'll have to fight to get back. That's what I'm, that's, what, that's the worst scenario, but I think that's what it's, it's coming down to. And um, I've known people before who had to come back here and they were waiting a long, long time and they weren't married. Mm. You know? But they were waiting and a long time to it'll, get a green card. It'll split the family. Would Karen and the children move over here, Jim? Is that a possibility? I don't see that really as an option in the sense that she's got a job in the hospital. That pays the mortgage. If, if she comes over here, that mortgage is gone. The house is gone. You know? They have yeah. nothing to go back for. If they do go back, they have nothing to go back to. And their life is there. Like, what I, t- I told Keith, I said, I don't want to see you. I said, we'll carry on the way we're going, we'll talk over the phone. I don't want to see you here, I said, until such time as you can come over on the holiday with your family with you and go back when the holiday is over. I said, you can come and go as you please then. But I don't want to see you under any other circumstances because your home, your life, everything is over there. Your family is there. That's where you should be. And, and I and just Jim- can't. can't has that been your dream that he would get his green card and he would be able to come home on holidays? Every month or six months or year that went by without any hassle, I, I honestly started to believe that he would get a green card. And it was only last year that a, a friend of his who was over there um, was there for longer than Keith. He was there for 15 or 16 years. He finally got a green card. So that kind of, um, that bucked Keith up a bit thinking that if he can do it, I can do it, you know. Gave him and he had a, He had a business going as well. You know, he was very, very similar to Keith. So, you know, it's 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 a very dodgy situation. And has I, I know people are going to say, 
he should be sent back, and other people will say, no, he should be doing this. Everybody has an opinion. But every case should be treated individually. It should be treated separately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and everyone on their own merits. And you, and you, exactly. look, you, look, at it, you look at it case by case, and he's done everything right since he's landed in the States, including falling in love, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And he's set no. down roots, and he's, he's, he has beautiful children, and they all have a life uh, in America. And the fact that he's never been able to come home in 12 years, has he missed a lot of family events that, in the normal scheme of things, he would have come home to? He has. He's missed weddings and... His, his, the last time he was actually, before he went to, to the States in 2007, was shortly after his brother got married. Gregory got married in 2007. And it was shortly after that that he left. But there's been a couple of weddings since that he's out to miss in Ultron. Yeah. And he's, obviously he's missed out on christenings and holy communions and confirmations yeah. and, and, and a lot of things like that. Christmas and, Christmas and, and yeah, yeah, everything. Paddy's Day Parade yeah. and all that. He's missed out on everything here like that, you know. And Jim, you've but never gone over yourself to visit? I've been over. Or I've been you? over in the States, but not when Keith wasn't there when I was over there. Yeah. Would you I think was, about it now? My health wouldn't, wouldn't allow well, me. Would not? Ah, ah, no. ah, what a pity. Okay, okay. So where are we at now? They're they're still fighting. His his solicitors are fighting against his deportation. Is that where we're at? That's where we're at. Yeah. Okay. And uh, um, he is. He. I will say he's he's overwhelmed with with the support he's getting on both sides of the Atlantic. Because talking to him yesterday, he was he was a different person than what he was on Friday. Brilliant, brilliant. And tell him that's what he needs. Keep his spirits up. Keep yeah. his spirits up. And there's a lot of prayers and candles being lit and the novenas are being set as well. And they're important too. Very important. OK, send on our best wishes to him, Jim, when you're next uh, speaking to him and, and we'll keep in contact with you, OK? OK, Patricia, okay. no problem. Look after yourself. OK, God Thank bless. You God much. bless. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye. That is uh, Jim Byrne in for Moy, dad of Keith. It's t- tough on him as well, isn't it? Tough on not having seen your son in, in 12 years and, you know... And yet, deep down, he wants to see him, but he wants to see him in the right circumstances. He doesn't want to see him. It'll be shocking if he gets deported, leaving the wife and, and the children uh, behind. And I know people will, all the arguments will go on about illegal immigrants and all of that. But really, when you dig down and read into this case, he's done nothing wrong except that he couldn't get that green card, that little piece of paper. He's done everything right uh, in the States. And it was all for very, very minor convictions for drug possession and God knows people did st- stuff in their younger life and as students and as young adults and you know you'll often say you have to stop and think about what can it will come against you in the future and by God has it come back uh, to bite Keith that's for sure. 1850 we're going to take a break we have Annalise Drissel our nutritional therapist uh, joining us if you have a question for Annalise get it into us 0862 103 103. Play on C 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Annalise Drissel from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining me. I believe from a, is it a sunny Goline you're joining us from, Annalise? Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, there's one big cloud, but I'm thinking it has passed because it's sunny at the same time, so it is heavenly down here. And actually, there's a lot of questions in relation to the time of the year to do with hay fever and what are the the natural remedies. How can you help with hay fever, please? Should I stay indoors, somebody else is saying. Oh, God, I mean, how could you in this glorious weather stay indoors? But some people suffer terribly, Patricia, so... 
I mean, if you're suffering terribly, the quickest thing really to do is to get an antihistamine from the pharmacy. But from a natural perspective, there are a number of things that can work very, very well. So the first one I'd mention would be a homeopathic remedy by Dr. A. Vogel. It's a combination of a few different homeopathic um, remedies in one kind of pill form. It's called Polynasan, P-O-L-L-I-N-A-S-A-N. And for most people now that suffer from hay fever, they generally would start this before hay fever season because it does take a little bit of time to kick in so you won't get any immediate relief, but it'll certainly save you for the rest of the summer. So you'd get that in any health shop. The other way to go then is natural antihistamines. Vitamin C, actually, nearly everybody has probably got vitamin C at home. And it's also very good natural antihistamine. So you could start taking high doses of vitamin C. You could take a 1,000 milligrams up to six times a day, unless it gives you a bit of a runny tummy. Then you know you've overdone it a bit. But it certainly won't cause any harm and might give you some fast relief. And then other natural antihistamines will be made up of quercetin, which we find um, very high in apples. So hence, I think the old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It's a very powerful natural antihistamine and anti-inflammatory. And we also get it in the skins of onions. So when I cook up a chicken, Patricia, I always make a broth from the bones and I keep all of my old onion skins and throw them in that and cook out all the quercetin. And it forms a really beautiful natural anti-inflammatory kind of healing soup for the gut. Um, but sorry, now I'm digressing back to the antihistamines. Kirsten, stinging nettle is another fantastic one. Vitamin B5 is another great one as well. And one called bromelain. Bromelain we'll find naturally in pineapples as well and papaya. So any health shop will have a kind of a combination product where they'll have a number of those different natural antihistamines in tablet form and start taking those immediately. Some people are swearing by something called the hay band, H-A-Y-B-A-N-D. And it's like an acupressure band that you put on your arm, Patricia, and it presses on particular points. Um, and that relieves the symptoms of hay fever. So again, some people are finding that that is very helpful too. And, and I did mention earlier that the pollen from tomorrow is going down. So that, if that might come as some relief uh, to some of the people uh, who have been, there just seems to be so many people suffering Absolutely. with hay fever. Okay. You so see, when it's dry, I think, Patricia, actually just one thing that's very simple is just to kind of put Vaseline up in and around your nose and yeah. outside your nose and that traps a lot of the pollen. That can help. Okay, uh, other questions in. My son had an ingrown toenail removed when I went to antibiotics to clear an infection. Had the procedure done in hospital to remove it. He's getting reoccurring infections in the site of the wound. He's just off another antibiotic and he said today it looks like it's getting infected uh, again. Any advice, please? So that's a difficult one now in the sense that I don't know if the wound is still open or not or if the toe is fully healed. Like you could use... um, you know, just tea tree oil um, to cleanse it and to keep it from being infected. I think, like, wearing sandals and flip-flops now and letting the air out at this time of the year as well, Patricia, would be good rather than have it stuck in runners because, you know, when the warm dampness infection will be more likely. So get them into a pair of slides are all very fashionable for young people at the moment. Or yeah, expose it as much as he can. Expose it. Bathe it in salt morning and evening, you know, salt water, and use tea tree oil to wipe around the site of the wound and hopefully that will prevent infection. Um, I also find the grapefruit seed extract is great. It's brilliant for fungal, but it's a really good disinfectant as well. Um, It comes from the seeds of the grapefruit and you get the extract in liquid form in the health stores and you could put that into a warm bath or you can 
again, wipe it around the side, the, the area of the toe. The only thing about tea tree oil and grapefruit seed extract is that if there's a wound, it will sting terribly. So just be careful about that. Yeah. And um, always a probiotic after an antibiotic, Patricia. Okay, Nora says, uh, hi, could Annalise please help me? I'm literally eaten alive by insects during this hot period. I've got quite, quite large bites on my arms, around my thighs and ankles. I scratched the one on my ankle so much in my sleep last night that the skin came off around the about bite. I've now got an open wound from the scratching. My daughter has suggested that maybe I take allergy tablets like antihistamine or something. Would that help? Or maybe skin spray? What would Annalise suggest? Yeah, some people react very badly to bites, Patricia, um, and they can become slightly allergic. And in that case, an antihistamine is very good. Um, again, you could you know get over-the-counters ones that don't make you drowsy in the pharmacy. Um, I think Prevention is nearly better than cure when it comes to being bitten. Seemingly, there's a there's a name for people who get bitten a lot, and they're called attractors. And I think it must be something to do with the blood type, um, that insects love them. I would be the best insect repellent for any of my friends and family, because if I'm there, I'll get bitten and nobody else will. And I'm the so opposite, I, if I'm the one that never yeah. gets bitten. Yeah. I'm, Everybody else also, in the room will be bitten and I, and I won't. So I've, I'm the... Really? Yeah, so you're obviously not an attractor, no. Patricia, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, I find having years of experience, I find the best thing to do is to try not to scratch a bite once I get one. And I just put spit on it. I just keep putting spit on it. And there is a natural antihistamine in our own in our own saliva. Um, and you could use something like tea tree to keep it from getting infected if you've been scratching. That would be very good. Um, if you're going somewhere on holidays, and you know you're going to be bitten a lot in advance. Taking either a garlic supplement or a vitamin B uh, one supplement in advance can help. Something about the smell that comes through the skin discourages the biting of insects. And there's also a lot of natural rub-on um, uh, creams and lotions and sprays that you can get. One of the ones that's most um, effective is citronella. You can buy that actually as an essential oil. Um, there's another one as well called eucalyptus citradora. Now it's not the usual eucalyptus. There's a kind of a citrus smell to this eucalyptus as well. And what I would do is I would put a few drops of those into my body lotion after I come out of the shower in the evening and um, I'd rub it on all over and that definitely discourages from being bitten as well. And then once you've been bitten, really, I think if you do react, take an antihistamine and just make sure that you're you're not scratching, that it doesn't get infected because socks um, on your that's the common one. Yeah, socks on your socks hands going to bed. Exactly. Because, yeah, you can, you don't realise how much you're scratching. Uh, Mary says, um, hi, Annalise, is, what's the best homeopathic remedy to compare with cortisone? Well, that's an interesting question now, Patricia, and I wouldn't be very skilled in the whole area of homeopathy. Um, I would know the basics, but one thing I do know about homeopathy is that it's a lot more complicated than one remedy for one symptom. So, for example, um, like Nuxalm would be a common homeopathic remedy for nausea. But if you have a cold, there could be about six different remedies, depending on whether you feel like lying down or whether you feel better standing up, whether you feel hot or whether you feel cold and shaky. So when you say um, that would be similar to cortisol for a natural anti-inflammatory, I think it's probably more about treating the um, actual symptoms of the inflammation. Um, so whether it would be inflammation causing a cold or inflammation for uh, bruising or pain and healing. Arnica is a very big one. We're all familiar for, for that. That would be a standard one. So I think probably my answer is that um, there's no one, one that would be exactly similar to cortisol. 
if you're looking for a natural remedy um, instead of cortisone, natural anti-inflammatories, you'd be looking at things like Boswellia from Frankincense is a very powerful natural anti-inflammatory. Turmeric and ginger are very powerful as well. The omega-3 fats are actually very powerful natural anti-inflammatories and they've lots of other jobs in the body as well. So they're a nice one to take. Um, there's there's so many of them really. Patricia Cursetton, which we mentioned earlier from the onion skin, is an anti-inflammatory and an antihistamine. So if you go into the health shop, they'll probably be able to help you with a combination product that will have a few bits of everything in there. Okay, my 14-year-old daughter suffers from sweaty hands and feet all the time. It's not just now during the warm weather, it's all the time. Is there anything that Annalise could recommend? Um, Actually, Patricia, yes, but it's not natural. It's Botox. So um, people who would sweat excessively, um, you can get Botox injections that will paralyze the sweat glands and and it does it, work there's, it does work now yeah. you can get a particular kind of an antiperspirant that is really really strong that blocks up the pores um but I, to be honest i prefer botox than something like that i think we need our pores to be open to be able to allow um you know the skin to excrete certain things because it is a detoxifying organ so i'd rather paralyze the sweat glands than block the pores and it's very effective Okay, hi Annelise. I'm having a hysterectomy next week. Is there any supplements you would recommend to help with recovery and healing? Yes, I think definitely after a hysterectomy. Now, they, we always used to take Arnica prior to surgery before, but now the medical doctor's advice is that you don't take it in advance because it may thin the blood. But you could start taking it as soon as your surgery is finished. So homeopathic Arnica, Arnica you'll get in any health shop, even most pharmacies will stock it. And you can start taking that as soon as you come out from surgery. I always think vitamin C is a great one for healing, Patricia, because it's very important for collagen, which is a big part of all of our, uh, lots of our tissue. So that's a great one for healing after surgery as well. Um, sometimes as well, um, after a hysterectomy, um, it depends whether they're taking the ovaries or not. You may go into early menopause. So in which case, taking a menopause supplement might ward off the worst of the symptoms for you if you wanted to be very proactive. But if they don't take the ovaries with it as well, that shouldn't be an issue. Um, and always I like to take a probiotic or I think, uh, would recommend a probiotic after any kind of surgery because there's generally a lot of uh, medicines used and that does tend to affect the gut. Um, and I think always having a probiotic is just a good rule of thumb for, for any kind of immune system boost. Okay, best of luck with your surgery to that listener. Mary says, hi, um, query for Annalise, please. I've been diagnosed with, is it lichen planus, which causes severe yes. itching? Oh, I don't like using hydrocortisone. I wonder if Annalise knows of any natural treatment available. It causes severe itching. Yeah, it's it's a horrible one, Patricia. And it's not fully understood, really, but it's a lot more common than people think. And it can affect um, the genital area as well. So it can be actually very, very, very painful. And it occurs more in menopausal women than any other age group. Hmm. Um, I think there's a number of different remedies that can help, but it's a bit hit and miss. So what will work for one person won't work for another. But Dr. Delish Clare does do a cream. Um, it's actually a wart cream, uh, but it's full of natural remedies for um, the skin like calendula, which is very soothing and healing for any kind of broken skin. But in the wart cream, there's also something called Thuja, T-H-U-J-A. Now, you can also buy this as a homeopathic remedy. And the Thuja is very, very good for lichen planus. 
Again, not everybody will get a positive benefit from Thuja, but when it does work, it can give great relief. But the cream will give relief for the skin area as well. So try and get your hands on Dr. Dealish Care's wart cream. Okay, lots of questions coming in. Let's see. I'm trying to get ones that are, are relevant to the, the, the warm weather. Um, listen, uh, could you ask Annalise, please, what would you recommend for chaffing down in the never regions? I am a male postman, so out and about walking a lot. The weather plays havoc with me, uh, particularly the job that I do. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of men are very, and young boys are very um, embarrassed about this, Patricia. Yeah. And it's very, very normal. So really, it's about wearing very loose clothing um, there is a spray that you can get in the health shop that's really, really soothing and very relieving. And it's called Salcura Derma Spray, D-E-R-M-A-S-P-R-A-Y. And that will take the itch out of it. It'll take the redness out of it and it'll begin to heal the rash and moisturize. But in this case, in, in here, it's kind of prevention is nearly better than cure. So wear very loose clothing where possible and try and keep yourself as dry. It's very difficult if you're cycling on a bike because... You know, you'll be sweaty in this weather. Mm. Uh, talcum powder, if you can get natural talcum powder, that can help as well, um, just to keep the area as dry as possible. But get that spray if you've got the rash already because it's, it's a, really, a really good soother. So it's the Salcura Derma Spray. Okay, and poor old Nora is sick in bed with uh, flu. Well, what she says is flu, a bad cough. Uh, with a bad cough, um, what would you recommend? At this time of the year, it's kind of dreadful to be down with a kind of a, a summer cold, I suppose is what it is. Very unfair, very, yeah. very unfair yeah. when we get this small bit of beautiful weather. Uh, it depends what kind of a cold it is, Patricia. If it's more of a cough and if it's a dry cough, what you really want is something with either mullein, M-U-L-L-E-I-N, or marshmallow in there to soften it out. Um, Convita do a range of different kind of cough bottles and they have got ones with mullein and marshmallow in there if it's a very dry, hacky, sore cough. If it's a if it's a productive cough, like if there's a bit of if you're coming from the chest, I think um, the Convita one with carrageen in it, um, it's called Winter Wellness. That's a great cough bottle to help loosen up that chest mucus and get it out. And then the Doctor Dealish Clare um, Chest and Sinus Blend is fantastic because it has immune boosting herbs in there, but it also has herbs that will dry up the production of mucus. So basically, what you're doing is boosting the immune system trying to stop the muc- mucus from being produced and getting rid of the mucus that's there. That's really the goal. So um, any of those would work for really either dry cough or mucusy cough. But if it's a hacky dry one, you want the one with marshmallow or mullion. OK, I can see a text has come in about somebody who is looking for advice. Um, she's on meds prescribed by a fertility doctor, so she's looking for advice around diet and the foods to avoid while trying to get pregnant. So we might hold that and we'll do it next week because we won't have time to get into it now. Uh, Annalise, have a great week and we'll talk next Monday. Thank you, Patricia. OK, thanks for that. Annalise Drissel, the Health Hub, Times Square in Ballangolic. You know I want you It's not a secret I try to hide you know you want me So don't keep saying our hands are tied You claim it's not in the cards And fate is pulling you miles away And out of a reach from me But you're here in my heart So who can stop me if I decide That you're my destiny What if we
and rewrite the stars that's where I leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing the noon and we'll be back with you tomorrow at 10 on to the Lamb Patricia Messenger very good afternoon when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.